0: out and <clears throat> this week's message is kind of piggybacking on last week's uh, message last week I uh, spoke on that I believe God was unshackling people in here and we, we had a altar service and it was about last week's focus more on the title was unshackled breaking free and pressing on and we came to the altars and I believe God wanted us to leave things here at the altar And then we rose and worshiped Him. And today, I'm going to focus more on pressing on. Last week, it was more about breaking free and leaving those things at the altar that we need. But what we need to also focus on now is now that we've done that, that we need to press on to to fulfill the call that God has on our life. So this is where I entitled this to rise up and build. And simply means rising up. When we stood up here is now we're going to, fulfill the call God has on our life. We're going to build our life. We're going to do what God has called us to do as we piece our life back together. Amen? Because how many of you know the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy? And he, he, he's messed up our lives enough, right? And we have to build on our life here. So let's, let's go to Philippians. This, we used this scripture last week. It says, Philippians 3.12 says, not that I have already obtained all this, or have already been made perfect. And I want you to know that's Paul speaking. And we need to understand that we never, as long as you're here on this earth, you're never going to have reached the mark. You, are, you always got to work and always got to grow in the Lord. He says, uh, uh, not that I've already been made perfect, but I do what? press on to take hold of that which Christ has took hold of me. And I, I, f- I focused last week on, it's not that I press on to take hold of, But it's to press on to take hold of the reason Christ took hold of me. How many of you know Christ took hold of you to set you free? He didn't take hold of you to keep you in bondage. He took hold, and and that's what Paul is saying. I am pressing on so I could fulfill why God has why Christ has taken a hold of me. Thank you. There we go. We got somebody here. All right. So let's, let's continue building on this. Now, how many of you know life is like a roller coaster? Ups, downs. You can't control what other people and other situations come in your life. All right? Life is like a roller coaster, but you have to be aware that you, you need to have stability in your life. Too many people go let outside influences affect their whole life. When things are going great, they're so high up there, but then when things go down, they're so down. We need to learn to be consistent and not, not let the outside affect the inside. Okay? So notice what Paul says here. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have done, because I have always knew how to be content. No. It says, for I have learned. He's letting you know there's a process you have to go, to, go through. Because not everybody is content. And content means at, you're at peace. You're at peace with situation. Whatever's going on, this God inside of me, the God of peace lives inside of me. And I can have peace in the middle of the storm. I'm not thanking God for the storm, but I can thank God through the storm. So he says this, I have learned. He, said, I didn't, he wasn't in control of that his whole life. He says, I have learned to be in content whatever the circumstances. He says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. But he says, I have learned what? The secret of being content in, in any and every situation. See, too many people... Are affected. It, they're affected by what they're going through. More than they should be. See, I should be able to walk and have peace wherever I'm at in my life. In the middle of the storm, right? Like a hurricane. In the middle of the storm, there's the eye, And you could be in the peace and the calm of the storm. Even though that things are raging around you. He says, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned The secret of being content in every situation. In other words, in the good and the bad. He says, I know the secret. He says, in every situation, uh, whether it's uh, well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And the next verse says this. This is the secret. I can do all things through, uh, through Him who gives me strength. He gives me strength, not me. Amen. It's not found in yourself. Let, let's go back to the garden. When, when God created Adam first, do you realize Adam's only relationship he had was with God? So his only focus was with always on God. Amen. His only reliance was only in God. God Adam never asked God for, to create Eve. God, now, God did say it's not good for man to be alone, and God created Eve. But do you notice that Adam never asked God for Eve? You know why? Because he was totally content. Amen. He found the secret, he knew the secret that the uh, only thing that will ever satisfy me is Him. Amen. Anything else in life is still going to leave you hungry. For more. Everything else in life is still going to miss the mark. You know, your spouse is going to miss the mark. There's th- times they're going to let you down. There's times they may make you angry. Your children, if your life is built just on them, they're going to let you down. They're going to miss the mark and you're going to be going down. But when you realize that the only thing that satisfies me, the secret, Paul said, is him. I have learned that my strength, I can do all things through Him because He is my strength. He is my peace. Amen. 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 There we go. So in everything. So what I want to do (coughs) this morning is speak about uh, in Nehemiah 4 when they were building building back up the wall in Jerusalem. And this is kind of how I want to portray it this morning is... When the enemy attacks and tears down our fortified walls, our beautiful city, and we came last week and lay all those things down and we're rising up to rebuild our life. Satan has messed up our life enough. We messed up our life enough. Right when we're going to rebuild our life to be the person that God created you to be, to be the person that the, for the reason that Christ took hold of you to become that person, as we begin to build our life now. And again, I mentioned a little bit last weekend that you know just just because you've laid it down here and we've risen and we say we're pressing on, the enemy's not going to say, oh well, I'm going to stop messing with them. They made up their mind what they're going to do, so I don't have to mess with them anymore. They got it. Trouble will never come your way. I may even know that's the total opposite. He gets mad. He doesn't want you to fulfill the purpose. He does not want you fulfilling the purpose and taking hold of why Christ got hold of you. He wants you miserable. He wants you depressed. He doesn't want you sharing the gospel. He, you know, if you're walking around in life and you always look like you just ate a five-pound bag of lemons. Yes. Right? How many people say, oh, whatever they got, I want. No. <laughs> no. Right? It's. You should be walking in peace, and that they say, "I don't." What you're going through, how can you have joy? How can you make it? How can you even get up each and every day? And you say, "I found the secret. I found the secret. It's not in my circumstances. It's in Him." So, as we look at this, I'm going to read verses uh, six through twelve, and then I'm going to come back and go through them one at a time. <coughs> and we're going to see, because I, I think this is so true what happens in our life here. <coughs> so Nehemiah comes and he's helping the Jews rebuild uh, Jerusalem. And it says this, and again, we're representing putting our life back together. Verse 6 says, So we rebuilt the wall till, it all, till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked at it with all their heart. But when Sanballat... Uh, Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the men of Ashdod heard that their, the repairs uh, to Jerusalem walls had gone on ahead and they were, uh, and that the gaps were being closed. They were very angry. Okay, and notice there's more than one enemy. And we're going to talk about that. Today. We, we know we fight the devil. But how many of you know the devil uses people too? Yeah. Right? So we got to be aware of our enemy. It says that they're all this, and he says, verse eight, they they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to stir up trouble against it. But we we prayed to our God and posted a guard uh, day and night to meet this threat. But verse ten says, meanwhile, the people in Judah said, the strength of the laborers are giving out, and there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemy said, before they know it or see us, uh, we will be right out there among them and will kill them and put an end to the work. Excuse me. Then the Jews who lived near them came and told us this ten times. Wherever you turn, they will attack us. Let's go back to verse 6. Notice what it says. So we rebuilt the wall till it reached half its height. For the people worked at it how? With all their heart. Can I tell you something? Starting is always the easiest. Notice, the, the, they lived, they came, and uh, uh, go back to verse 6 there, uh, Matthew. So we rebuilt the wall till it reached where? Half its height. For the people worked at it with all their heart. Starting is always the easiest. Anybody ever started a diet? (laughs) Y'all scared of the next question. How many's finished that diet? We've done away with it, right? But how many of you know that the starting's always the easiest? How many of you ever started reading a book? And then finish it. How many of you ever started an exercise program and then finish it? You see, the beginning's easy. You get excited for you. You think, and, and when you stood up here at last week from this altar, it was the beginning. You were excited. God had just touched you, moved, you felt his presence in life, and you were excited. But guess what? The enemy's not excited, the enemy's angry. You see, if you're not careful, you see, they got halfway through, and they worked at it with all their heart. But notice what happens in verse 7 through 8. But when the enemy, sandballed, now this is the devil, might be a past relationship, might be family members, might be friends. It may be old friends, it may be many a things, for we battle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. But Satan uses people to cause trouble in your life. He uses people to bring doubt in your life. He uses people to try and get you back to where you were. He says when Sanballat, that's a nice name, Sanballat. Tobiah and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the men of Ashdod heard uh, that the repairs, this is verses 7 and 8, to Jerusalem, uh, to the walls had gone ahead and that the gaps were being closed. I want you to circle that. The gaps were being closed. What happened? What what did happen to them? They became very angry. The enemy becomes angry when you begin closing gaps and access to, to your life. He says they all plotted. Uh, together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against them. How many of you got one of those friends that every time you meet them, they begin to stir? You know, instead of them being happy for you that you're serving God, that you're trying to serve God in trouble, they, oh, come on. Come on, come, come back. Come on, we we used to, we've been friends so long, we've been doing things so long together. Just come on back and do. Start up trouble. See, I need to understand that we need to close those gaps. You see, the enemy got extremely upset when he realized they were closing access to their life by closing the gaps on the wall. The enemy says, you build all your wall you want, but just leave me a gap. All I need is a gap. All I need is a little place. Stir that trouble. What, Dad, I should have borrowed you can I feel good. (laughs) Stirring in that trouble. Look what John 10.10 10 says. The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. And I know I use this scripture a lot, but this is, you need to understand this. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. But Satan said, you just don't close all those gaps. Don't close all those gaps. Leave me access. Leave him access in your life. Notice what happens here. In Ephesians 4, 26 through 27. In your anger, do not what? Circle that word sin. Now notice it doesn't say anger is sin. It says in your anger, do not sin. How many of you know Jesus got angry? Okay. But he's saying in your anger, do not do not sin. Sin's the problem. Okay, and Jesus had a righteous anger of what was going on. He says, in your anger, do not sin. He says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. In other words, you have to deal with that issue because anger can cause you to sin. And then verse 27 says, and do not give the devil a what? Foothold. In other words, notice he says, don't, he didn't say don't let the devil take a foothold. What did he say? Do not give. You see, you're the one. You're the one that allows access. If you don't close the gaps in the wall, you're giving him access. What is, what is, what is access? What, what are those access? Is sin. Sin gives the enemy access in your life. Adam and Eve had perfect protection. And what did they do? They sinned, and it opened the door and gave the enemy a foothold. So I need to begin to close those gaps. I need to realize what relationships in my life I kind of need to get rid of. If they're not bringing you to God, they're bringing you away from God. So anyone that doesn't care about you bringing you closer to God and is more worried about themselves and how they feel and what they want and they're causing you to sin and pull you away from God, I need to straighten that relationship up. The enemy gets mad when you begin to close the gaps. Notice what Hebrews 12.1 says. Therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses what is those next two words let us let us throw off or in other words let us close the gaps of everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles now and I always use this scripture but I need it's so important that we see that that I have to realize, it's easy to realize, and people say, well, sin hinders your relationship with God, but do you realize it says other things? right? Therefore, uh, he says, let us throw everything that hinders and the sin. It's not just sin. Sin is obvious that it happens our relationship, but there's some things we allow in our life that may not be a sin necessarily, but it's not bringing you closer to God. You're not fulfilling the purpose of, that Christ took hold of you for. It says, and let us run the with a race with perseverance, the race marked out. Who marked out a race for you? Who marked out your life? God. God has a plan, and he says, get rid of those things that are stopping you from fulfilling the plan that I have for you, my purpose that I have for you. You need to get rid of those things, even if it's a, not a sin, what is, coming, what is coming in between you and me? Remember Moses, God said, take the shoes off your feet because you're standing on holy ground. I don't want nothing in between you and me. We need to remove those things. And sin, again, the next part, sin. Sin is an open door. Sin is an uh, opening in the wall of your protection that gives the devil place in your life to attack your life. Do not give the devil a foothold. Now let's go to verse 9. They knew this, but it says, "But when they, when uh, we prayed to our God and post, we, we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. okay? they realized what's happening. They realized what was going on, that the enemy was coming. But I need you to understand that we need to, number one, is be alert. You need to be alert. Be aware. Okay? Sometimes, how many of you remember 9-11? How many remember history class, Pearl Harbor? What happened? America had laid down its alertness. It started to relax things. And guess what? The enemy was able to do on those days what they'd done to destroy and kill people because America wasn't alert. How many of you know it's a lot harder for a terrorist to do things now because America's alert? Right? You see, being alert, you need to realize you have an enemy. And he's coming out. You need to realize you're going to have those people in your life that all they want to do is stir up trouble in your life. When you see them coming, you might as well say, oh, no. Be alert. Look what it says here in uh, Ephesians 6.18. And pray in the Spirit on what kind of occasions? All occasions. Again, we're basing off of verse 9 where it says we prayed to God. But I need to pray, it says, on all occasions. Can I tell you too many people just pray on bad occasions when things are going wrong? And can I tell you maybe if you'd pray when things are going right, not so many things would go wrong? You ever thought about that? If you're tired of praying about things that are going wrong, start praying when things are going good to keep things going good. Don't, don't. Don't use prayer as a last resort. Use it as a first response. Don't wait till you do everything you can do and oh, this situation's got so bad, so now let's pray. Begin to pray about it before it happens. Bind it. Then no more. Before it happens. Let me put it this way. I just thought about this. Prayer is God's vaccine to the consequences of this world. Prayer is God's vaccine to the circumstances and consequences of this world. So pray in, on all occasions, the good, the bad, and the ugly times, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, he says, with this in mind, praying all these things, be what? Alert. Always keep praying for all the saints. Don't wait till the attack comes. Don't wait for the enemy to attack you before you begin praying. Pray now. Pray in those good times. 1 Peter 5.8 says this, be self controlled and alert. Self controlled. There, 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 that lays out everything we've just been talking about. Be self controlled. Don't allow sin in my life and be alert. Don't give the devil a foothold, but even though I don't give him a foothold, doesn't mean he's not going to be trying to attack. Right? He's going to be coming to tempt you to fall into sin. Right? Before Adam and Eve sinned, he had no legal right. But he was there to tempt. Once they gave in to the sin, then he had legal access into their life. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Prepare yourself. Be alert. Know, Know that somebody somewhere is stirring it. Because the enemies, your enemies are mad because you're closing those gates, building up that wall. Now, quickly, we'll go to verse 4. I mean, my point 4. Found the verses 10 and 12. Meanwhile, the people in Judea, now remember, they had prayed, they had set guard, they were alert. Meanwhile, the people in Judea said, the strength of the laborers is what? Giving out. And there is so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Also, our enemies have said, before you know it, it uh, our see us, will be right among you, and we'll kill them and, and uh, put an end to this work. Then the Jews who lived then, uh, near them told them ten times, that's all they kept hearing, you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it, you're not going to make it. But how many of you know that they became exhausted? Right at the beginning, when they were when they built up halfway, they did it with all their heart. But now the enemy got upset. The enemy's coming in, beating them down, and they begin to be feel exhausted. They're even thinking about giving up. That There's so much rubble around here. So there's, there's such a mess that I, we, we can't even continue. See, he wants you to give up exhaustion. On their mind, all they could think about is this this is coming, the attack's coming, they're getting ready. And guess what? Emotional stress could wear you out more than physical exercise. Physical exercise is one thing, but emotional stress, being worried constantly, will wear you out. They were exhausted and they were about to give up. But we can never give up. Notice notice what happens here. Uh, And I mentioned this a a few series ago. But Deuteronomy 17, 18 says this. If the the enemy could get you, again, he's like a roaring lion looking for someone to attack. Anybody ever used to watch Wild Kingdom? Thank you all for being old enough. (laughs) The the younger crowd said, what's Wild Kingdom? (laughs) But what, what they used to do is the documentary of, what, and you could just go online and watch a documentary of lions hunting. What they do is they first of all, they spot the weakest. And the next thing they do is try and separate the weakest from the regular flock of whatever they're attacking. To get them alone, to get the weakest one. And that's the way he works. It says, like a roaring lion, looking to see whom he could devour. And notice what it says here. This is when the The Israelites were leaving Egypt trying to get to the promised land. In Deuteronomy 25, 17, 18, he says this. Remember what the Amalekites did to you along the way when you came up out of Egypt? Notice verse 18. When you were what? Weary and worn out. He says they met you. They didn't come find you until they knew you were weary and worn out. He says, they met you on the journey, and then what did they do? Let's see if it says it the same way here. They met you on the journey, uh, this version says, and on your paper, it'll say, they cut and cut off all who were lagging behind. You see, the whole tribe of Israel was moving along, but some got weary and tired, and they've separated, kind of started lagging behind because they were weary and tired, and the enemy came in and cut them off. From the rest of the believers. And they attacked him. He says, and they attacked all who were lagging behind. And it says that and they had no fear of God. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the Amalekites. God, this devil ain't scared to attack you. If he has legal access, he's not scared to attack you. Now, great is he that is in us and he could stop the attack when we pray and do those things, but we can't give them legal access, all right? So uh, it says this, those that were uh, lagging behind, and this is why I say it's so important that we as believers, and our first sign in the back is connecting with God and his family. See, you need to connect with God, have a relationship with him, but how many of you know that if if you're a child of God, all his other children are your family members? You can't say, I'm a child of God, but I don't want to mess around with any of your other kids. Right? What happened to those that were cut off from the rest of the family? They were attacked. They became vulnerable. So we need to become part of God's family. Now, notice this. Notice <coughs> Genesis uh, two, th- 2 and 3 says this. By the seventh day, and it's talking about exhaustion here also. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. On the seventh day, he did what? God rested from all his work. Now, notice what he done. It says God blessed the seventh day and made that seventh day holy because on it, he rests from all the work of creating he had done. Now, can I tell you this? If God we are to follow God's examples if he rested on the seventh day. And then we're talking spiritual rest. We need to break away from what's going on, everything. If I don't step away from every, all the chaos in the world, get connected back with God get, and his family and worship with his family, I'm going to mess up. Do you know why, uh, those in the office, I don't know how it works everywhere else, but why they give you a 9 o'clock break, lunchtime, 3 o'clock break, and knock off? You think it's just to be nice to you? Yeah. Studies have proven that you get more productivity when you take a break. I remember many times doing working on mechanic work out there, and you're working these major overhauls, and you're working 18 hours a day, and... About 6 o'clock at night comes, you've been working since 6 in the morning, and you're all struggling, trying to get this part to fit that's not fitting, and it's, it's so frustrated, and you may be, well, we need a bigger hammer, we need to do this, and you can't get it going, and then finally, somebody says, let's call it a night. We're not getting nowhere. And sure enough, the next morning, when you take the break, you get there, and the part goes right in, it's like, well, we worked four hours all the time, exhausted. And we couldn't get it. But when we took a break, cleared our head, and came back, everything was a lot easier. You see, God needs you to reconnect with Him. The world wants to pull you away. But God says, "Uh, that seventh day, you need to come back. And I understand that some people work on Sundays and things like that. But we need to reconnect with God. And I just want to show you, it's not in your notes. But uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, it says this. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Now, part of that's talking about that in salvation we have God's rest and we don't earn salvation in different things. And you can read Hebrews chapter 4 that goes into that. But he does tell you that he made that day holy. God didn't make the Sabbath for him. He made it for you. God needs you, let's put it this way, computer, God needs you to reboot. Anybody ever had a computer that, man, what's going on? It's not working. This program's not working. And what you have to do? Turn it off and power it up again, and it starts working. See, sometimes in life, we need to reboot. And we're here this morning worshiping God and rebooting our spiritual selves. Then we see all, all these things we went through, and I hope you're grabbing this. And I want to sit, uh, close it with this. Notice what he says. Then we station after everything went through, seeing all these things. He says, "Therefore, I station some people behind the lowest points of the wall, at all the exposed places." Notice what he's saying there. We realize where there's the cracks in the wall, and we need to guard that. I need to know where my weakness is in life and guard it. Listen to me. You need to be aware where your weakness is and guard it because that's where he's going to attack you. Satan's not going to attack your strong points in life, your strong character things. He's going to go after your character flaws. Whatever it is, he's going to attack there. And so we have to be, guard those areas in our life. And he says this, uh, and he posting them by what families. He didn't post them by themselves. Do you realize you're not meant to go through this life by yourself? If we were, God would have said, never said it's not good for man to be alone. Well, that rang a bell, right? If I was meant to go through life alone, then why did God say it's not good for man to be alone? You need to be part of his family. And, he, and as they're doing this, he says that they, he put them by families. Though He didn't put them alone in these areas. He says with their swords and their spears and their bows. And after I looked things over, he says, I stood up and said to the nobles and officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers. Press on. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. And he says, when your enemies heard that we were aware of their plot, what they were going to do, and God frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to his own work. See, the devil doesn't want you closing those walls, closing those cracks. In the armor, But as we become believers and join God's family, we lift up each other in prayer. Please pray for me every day. I pray for you every day. Please pray for me. Pray for those around you. You know, we all need prayer. It says pray continually for all the saints because the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So we need to stand on the gap for everybody and pray for them as the enemy tries to come their way and but it all begins with a relationship with jesus christ we're getting ready to receive communion here this morning and if you've never accepted christ as your personal savior i want to give you that opportunity right now to receive communion at christian fellowship church you don't have to be a member of christian fellowship church but we do ask that you be a member of the family of God, that you've given your life, that you've become a Christian and accepted Him as Lord and Savior. So if you would, let's bow your head, and if you've never accepted Him as your Savior, I just want you to say this prayer, and I'd encourage each and every one of us here, just say this out loud. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, and I realize that I fall short in many areas of my life, but I realize that you love me so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins. I believe that he was raised from the dead and is seated at your right hand side. I accept the gift of salvation right now. Lord, rule my heart. Guide me each and every step I make. Show me the cracks in the wall of my life, and help me guard it with all my heart. In Jesus' name, we pray. If y'all will get Michelle's class in the back, uh, pass Island.